Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club. The Jambos kept their unbeaten start to the Scottish Premiership season alive. However, unfortunately, so did City rivals Hibernian as the two played out a stunning stalemate at Tynecastle at the weekend. And joining me to discuss said stalemate, Adam Kennedy, is Daniel McIver. Mr McIver, how are we? I'm doing very well because this is definitely the biggest thing associated with Scottish football this year to get the 55 finally, so delighted with that. Um, I'm good. It's it's getting darker now at night, so folk have said this on Twitter to me because you've got a nice pristine white wall that isn't affected by lightning, whereas with me you can see the light getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, so it's going to be a great laugh as we head into the winter months. How are you though, now that you're down properly in the air I'm, I'm good mate I'm, uh, I've been living life the past couple of weeks it's been it's been decent obviously I had my first actual day of uni today as we record um, but the two weeks prior that I've moved in just been grafting um, drinking socialising yeah it's been good man I've, I've enjoyed every second but um, what can I say I mean the weekend just I don't know when I, when I actually think about it and like making the journey up and back down was it really worth it i don't know we, we'll, we'll see um but if we go around the grounds i mean we'll talk about the rest of the action within the scottish premiership at the weekend um one of the boys that um, i've become pally with down here is actually st johnston's videographer um so he'd have been delighted when saints took the lead against rangers only for them to lose 2-1 to the reigning champions uh, on saturday lunchtime um, the Saturday 3pms were hopeless. Um, Celtic cruised past Ross County like you'd expect with a 3-0 scoreline. Delighted to see Aberdeen get beat by Motherwell 2-0 at Fir Park. And there were 0-0 draws involving both the Dundee clubs. Uh, Dundee being held at Dens by Livingston and United claiming a point in Paisley away to St Mirren. Were there any real shocks amongst that quintet of fixtures otherwise for you, mate? So there wasn't any shocks in terms of the actual results on the kind of weekend, but the shock for me has been that we are now five games in, we're entering game week six, and there are still five clubs in the league without a win. Like, almost half the league hasn't won a game yet, and that's just insane to me. Obviously, you expect a couple of clubs to be right down the bottom, just can he buy a win? Livingston seem to have had it this year where they've had a... They've been getting into final minutes in positions where they're either winning or drawing and look fine for the points and then don't. But it seems that there's loads of clubs like that and just that kind of bottom half, no one can really buy a win. And I'm not going to say I told you so, but I made it very clear last season when we were in the championship, I said, I think the bottom six of the premiership is awful. I think it's very similar to the top six in the championship and some people went well wait until you go up to the Prem next season and you'll see what it's like and currently we're unbeaten and half the league can't win yet right okay uh, I've got a couple of things first of all that was prior to several new faces arriving in Gorgie um, second of all Livingston have just claimed their first point so if we're talking predictions I mean I'm on fire with that um, that is a, a <laughs> tremendous shout um, but I, I don't know I think in terms of surprises Motherwell their run of forms really surprised me um, 
which started coincidentally with a win against Livingston. Um, that's now three wins on the spin. And Aberdeen, I, I'd have thought that the international break would have come at a good time for Aberdeen, but that evidently hasn't proven the case. Um, so, look, I don't know. Both the old firm winning, just standard, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're the only... They're the real victors this weekend, aren't they? And that both Edinburgh clubs have dropped points. Aberdeen have obviously dropped three, and they've they've won. And, and now look at Rangers. I mean, there's Rangers already lost, and yet they're top after five games. Yeah. And Celtic are what within two points of us now. Yeah, yeah. Scary stuff. But anyway, we're not here to talk about you know the ugly sisters. We are here to talk about Hart and Midlothian, and the latest. Derby Day disappointment, let's just say. Um, I think, let's just talk about the teams. Obviously, Hearts made the one change from the win at Tannadice prior to the international break. You got your wish as yes! Andy Halliday was dropped. <laughs> um, and Stephen Kingsley returned from illness to take his place. So, Hearts lined up Craig Gordon in goal. Back three of John Souter, Craig Halkett and the aforementioned Stephen Kingsley. Michael Smith right wing back. Alex Cochran left wing back and a central midfield pairing of Peter Haring and the greatest footballer that I have ever seen. And Gary Mackay-Steven and Ben Woodburn supported Liam Boyce in attack. Um, as for Hibs, they also made three changes uh, from a 2-0 win that they had, obviously over Livingston at Easter Road prior to the international break. Um, there was doubts about Martin Boyle, but incredibly, he, he was fit to start. So I love the apparent mind games that just haven't worked whatsoever. Um Club captain Paul Hanlon's come back in to replace Danny McGregor. Uh, Jake Doyle-Hayes I was pleased to see drop out because I think he's a good player. Chris Cadden coming back in uh, and Joe Newell for Jamie Murphy. So Hibs lined up pretty much in an identical shape to us, actually. Um, Matt Macy in goal, back three of Paul McGinn, Scotland cap Paul McGinn, um, <laughs> Ryan Porteous, oh, yeah. Paul Hanlon, um, Chris Cadden right wing back with uh, Josh Doig left wing back. Joe Newell and Kyle McGinnis in the middle of the park with James Scott supporting Martin Boyle and Kevin Nisbet in attack. Any surprises from the selections? Obviously, you got your wish with Andy Halliday not in the 11, didn't even come on in the end. Um, but any real surprises in the starting 11s or, or the match day squads? Um, actually, that's a good point there that you mentioned the match day squads because... Because we had the conversation on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. There was... An element of, listen, especially early games this season, I think most Hearts fans were like, our starting 11 is actually looking good. It's looking pretty decent, especially in comparison to the other starting 11s. However, our squad really isn't. And it kind of get got lot later and later and later in the transfer window and fans started going, we've still not picked up anybody. And then suddenly... You come at the weekend that we just had and players such as Aaron McInef, who we spent a lot of money on in comparison to how much we normally bring players in for and Jamie Walker who regardless of my thoughts on them still 50 goals for Hearts has been here for a very long time they two don't even make the squad and no one's really complaining because the bench looks so strong we've got cover in every position you've got players who you go yep he can make an impact he can make an impact he's good to uh, kind of solidify if we're getting a win he can change the game the surprise for me is that we suddenly seem to just have loads of depth and I don't think it actually hit home until the weekend where I forgot Aaron McInef even existed. 
No, because somebody mentioned that I think it was actually my pal Craig that was giving me a lift in um, on the Sunday. He'd have quite liked to have seen Aaron McInef. Um and I'm not sure whether the derby was the right fixture or not, but he was somebody that had escaped my attention as well. Um, because he made a, such a solid start to his Hearts career, I thought. He looked pretty promising toward the back end of last season, but has barely played at all in, at the start of this season. Why, why do you think that is? Just with the arrivals that we've got in midfield or what? I think, so Craig Fowler made the statement on Twitter after the game on Sunday that outside of the old firm, Peter Haring and Benny Meningame is the best centre mid partnership in the league. I'd personally agree with that. So I think there is an extent of it's not really anybody's fault. It's just that we've got two very good players in the exact position that McInef is. And we've also just brought in another hotly tipped player. We've obviously not seen him feature yet. We don't know what he's going to be like. But Cammy Devlin has a lot of high praise from kind of all corners of the globe. I know they're very different players, Devlin and McInef. By the way, Devlin is, he sounds more like a Haring uh, and Benny defensive, whereas McInef kind of has license to roam. But additionally, the way our formation works, McInef doesn't really fit in that either because if you have, say you get rid of either Haring or Benny and you play one of them with McInef, it creates a problem where with the three, it allows Suter particularly to kind of create and drive forward. That would take up McInef's space. Additionally, you have the wide players in the forms of GMS, Woodburn, Gino, Mackay cutting in as well, which also takes up the space where McInef would be driving into. So I don't think it's a it's a worry for McInef potentially. Nielsen has said that it was just a thing of I've got too much quality, like they just can't fit in. It's nothing it's not me saying that's it, they're done. It's definitely not a problem for Hearts fans because I I was saying this on Twitter about the wide players, it's just weird to have options who you feel could all do a job in quite a good way we're never we're not used to that I think with regards to the central midfielders I think they can all do the same similar job my Mm. frustration is and I don't we're as well talking about it now because we're ultimately talking about selection and formation and whatnot I feel as though at times the likes of Liam Boyce and potentially the wide players that are in those positions are isolated in there and we need somebody that can transition from midfield to attack at points. I think Beningame Haring Beningame could be that guy, but I don't see him picking up balls on the edge of the box. I think he's very much a get it, give it type. Do, do you know where I'm coming from? I don't see anybody that's a real ball carrier. Uh, potentially ball players, but I'd still like to see somebody that drags us up the park a wee bit. And I feel as though Aaron McInef could be that guy. But we don't really have anybody else within the current midfield player selection or the player pool for me. I think, again, obviously this is going to be a bit of a weirder podcast. The derbies always are because you kind of, you think of something and you go, oh yeah, I wanted to risk that. So I've already points thought will be of made. something as well, but we'll, yeah, we'll exactly. save that till later on. Listen, points will get moved about. We'll probably come back to speaking about McInef in 20 minutes because we remember something. <laughs> but one of the places where I think could potentially be that role is Ben Woodburn because during the game, he got moved centrally for a period of time. He kind of played in behind GMS and Boyce. 
and it, what you saw physically, Benny and Haring suddenly went, oh, we've got a guy in front of us that we can just immediately give the ball to who'll spin and go instead of having to go, right, we've got each other, but we need to get it out wide if we want to push forward. There was a couple of times where Benny just went, fuck this, I'm just going to run at them. And it worked. And it's kind of like, Benny, go and just do that more. Like, you clearly can do it. But I do understand, you're totally right. That and isn't in his nature. Yeah, exactly. He's the best. He's just so um, good. No, actually, he's not, Adam. He's not. He's actually an atrocious <laughs> player because Martin Boyle ran past him. So, therefore, he's the worst thing oh, in the yeah. world. I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah, no. Yeah, so. Pish. Yeah, he's done. He's finished. Because it has football. been already. That's <laughs> exactly. his hardest career over. Exactly. But I think, listen, you're right. McInef is that difference that we don't really have in the middle of the park. But, especially with the way things are going just now, I don't think it's worth mixing it up just in case it changes especially with how well Haring and Benny are playing together no look I, I get that and I think you mentioned about Ben Woodburn being that transition type where he, he does you know in essence take up another position mm-hmm. he had the first real opportunity you know when he flashes over just mm-hmm. over Macy's bar narrowly I think my frustration and I don't know whether you'd agree with this is just I felt at times in that first half, because the front three weren't as wide as I'd quite like them, I felt as though they were pretty narrow. I felt as though they'd often get in one another's way. And I think even that chance, Ben Woodburn, I don't know. I need to see it back again, but I'm convinced that Gary Mackay-Stevens kind of hovering and Ben Woodburn, I think he half-heartedly shoots in that he's just gambling and whatever happens, happens. Whether he's gambling on Matt Macy parrying to Gary Mackay, Stephen or whatever. But that was a real frustration for me in that first half. And I don't know whether you felt the same or not. I do, but to, I don't think to the extent you do. Because there was times where, especially, I noticed it especially with GMS. Because there was a couple of times where the ball would get fed to GMS and he would dummy it. But there's no one behind him. And it made yeah. me think, why do you think someone is... <laughs> Beyond you, you are meant to be the widest player. Is is as though as like is somebody meant to be behind you and we play kind of a couple one twos from there or what? What's the script? Here? Yeah, yeah. I that that definitely was frustrating to extent. But also at the same time, I think it worked really well at points where Boyce, yes. Woodburn, and GMS. There was times where, especially on the edge of Hibbs' box, were just passing it between each other in triangles, and it looked really dangerous. Ben Woodburn. Listen, obviously, he had 60 minutes against Dundee United, but then had to come off. This was the first time I physically got to see Woodburn, and he managed to get a similar amount of time. He looks very good. He looks kind of above the level. You can tell that just when he gets it, he's... The biggest thing that stood out for me is how fast he can move his feet when he has the ball. Definitely one of our best performers on Sunday, without question. 100%. And... You get guys like GMS who that is kind of their thing. Like the thing is fast footwork with the ball. But often it's, weirdly, it's almost footwork without the ball because the ball's static and GMS is making you think he's going to go one way or another. So his legs are moving fast, but the ball's static and that's what GMS is good at. Woodburn seemed to be able to just keep running at full pace but keep the ball really touch tight to him as he was getting past players. That was 
insanely it's impressive. It's a rarity from what we've seen over yeah, the past exactly. few years, even even our heart-supporting lives. Um, he, he has made a really good start. And um, we'll obviously get to the second half later on, but I was actually really frustrated when Ben Woodburn came off. And I get that, obviously, then it's fresh legs. I get that he's not had a lot of match action and whatnot, but he's obviously been in the Wales squad for a reason. Um, yeah. And I think... A full 90, I mean, I, I'm not an expert, I'm not going to kid on as though I am, but I didn't really see any need to take him off, given I thought that he was one of our better performers. What, what do you think? I, I did, but not from anything to do with the performance. In the last five minutes before he got taken off, he kept going down on his hands and knees and stretching out his calf. Oh, so right, okay. I, I don't know if that's Just all it was. Just a precautionary measure or whatnot. You're spot on that if it was purely for performance reasons, you would have kept him on for yeah, 90 yeah. minutes because he, he looked like he was great. But yeah, he kept almost going into like the press-up position and just then bringing his knee up to his chest and stretching out his leg. So well, I don't know if that's I didn't see that. It's lucky we've got somebody that's eagle-eyed between us. Um, in face, he was doing it like <laughs> I'm in block R and he was doing it like in line with me the whole time. Oh, <laughs> I'm an end, so I'm just obviously I'm yeah, obviously exactly. too focused on the action and not having a wee nosy up. But um, Yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask you about the start that we made because that was, I think, about a quarter of an hour in. And up until that point, it was fairly laboured, it was fairly passive... I felt as though Hibs had the better of the opening exchanges um, and they responded to that Woodburn chance with Joel Newell. It's a cross-turned shot that hits the bar. I think Craig Gordon had it covered, yeah. but was that was that a bit of a warning sign that if we're not careful, Hibs's pressure may well result in something a little bit more concrete? So, on two points there, first of all, I thought we were terrible in the opening 15 minutes. I thought we just didn't look at it at, at all. It. I yeah. thought, yeah, like, Hibs came out the blocks, fit, firing, running at us, clearly, kind of, I don't know what it was, but they just looked more like, we're going to win this game. We couldn't get a foot on the ball. There was time really early on, I can't remember if it was in the first five minutes or the first ten minutes, Halkett got it close to his feet and went to just, like, side of his foot, play it to Herring on the 18-yard line and it just immediately got cut out and they nearly lost and we nearly conceded and then Halkett turned to hearing be like what are you doing you need to be closer to that and it's like no Halkett that was your fault like we we were really poor in that opening 15 and on that Newell chance particularly the biggest issue that kind of my little section had you could hear everybody saying the exact same thing it was Newell's was actually the last cross to get into the box but there was three crosses in that kind of 15 second period that George just Doig complete... had a couple didn't he I think they yes were, they exactly were yeah they were just unchallenged like there was no one pressing out to them it's like especially with players like Doig Newell Boyle kind of did it a couple of times on the other side it's like you need to get tight on them you cannot let them set themselves in the edge of the box and play a ball in they're they're the couple that have got quality that easily could find your likes of your Kevin Nisbets and what have you. Um, mm-hmm. I think from there on till about the half hour mark though, we certainly had the better chances. I mean, when I watch the highlights back, there's one that Liam Boyce heads narrowly over the crossbar from a, a Stephen Kingsley cross, but he's on the penalty spot. So any header that goes in from there, it would have to be some effort. Um, but then Stephen Kingsley's in the thick of the action himself, sending in, you know 
an Alex Cochran uh, corner toward goal that then gets hooked off the line. I actually thought Alex Cochran's set-piece delivery was very good. It was like the first time in years I can remember us just being consistently good at corners. Every and it corner seemed like we'd actually, like, oh, actually be a good. threat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Stephen King's led a couple, actually. There's the one that gets hooked off the line. Um, and I think he has one after Gary Mackay, Stephen. The, the advantage gets played by Nick Walsh. Yeah. In fact, I've, I've yeah. mentioned his name now. Yeah. Let's just get to Nick Walsh and the officials. I cannot recall as poor a performance. Probably, I'd be harsh to say the linesmen, because they certainly weren't in that same bracket as Nick Walsh. What an absolute disgrace that man is as a referee. Terrible. So, I'm... Listen, I'm not... I don't really care about refs generally. Like, I often think it's very rare that you don't get a result because of a ref. There can be in times where, like, a moment happens and you're like, that's changed the game. But a lot There's of a game-changing... Football... Yeah, like like a, a late penalty or something. Yeah. Then yeah, fair that... enough. But, but for the... I've always said that I wouldn't blame a result on officials. It's more to do with the performance itself. Mm-hmm. However, that was out of the way. It's like so. It just, my point was going honestly, to be: sorry, I'll, I'm not one to go and attack refs. Like I know some folk go, "I'm going to the football to shout the ref." <laughs> like I, I get that. Okay, they've but just I built just... up rage within their working week, yeah. and lo and behold, exactly. they found somebody to just unleash it upon. Like, right, Bobby Madden, you and me for the beginning. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not especially that because I'm just like, oh, there's bigger things. However, I've never seen a referee be so unanimously hated by an entire stadium in a derby. Normally, it's like one side will go, the ref was good for them and bad for us. But it was like both sides were like, He's just been shocking. I know it was Nick Walsh's first Edinburgh derby, right? But clearly, clearly, the occasion got to him. The biggest yeah, let's one hope I can it's his rem- last. Yeah, one hundred percent, definitely. Let's hope it's just his last game as a as a referee. But the one that was the biggest that made me go, "Oh, this is he's actually having a nightmare here." It was towards the end of the first half. The boil shot. It was potentially... Oh, no, not that. That was a nightmare. <laughs> that was the worst but, decision I've ever seen. That was bad. But it was just before that, actually. It was like the 38th minute or something like that. Hibs either had a free kick or a corner. I think it was a corner. And we went to break. Boyce wins it, but gets fouled. But kind of not really. But then Halkett is on that far side and takes the ball out. And suddenly, GMS, Benny and Woodburn are all sprinting forward... The ref doesn't goes like that. He kind of goes to signal advantage, but then just blows it back and gives the foul. And it was one of those moments in the stadium where just everybody's like, eh? Like, that's primary school-level refereeing that you learn. Like, you let the advantage rule. Like, that's not, that's not one of those situations where you go, oh, listen, it was a challenge that they both went in for. Many will probably speak about it now, much like the Boyce-McGinn one, that potentially could have went either way that you go listen I think that's a wrong decision but I can see it and then the other side will go no I think it's the right decision but I can see it but that moment with Halkett was like you don't know the rules here no and to be honest the only time that he'd really let the game breathe was that Gary Mackay Stephen effort that Macy mm-hmm. saves um, yeah. you've touched on it there the, the Boyce McGinn um, 
collision, let's just say. My initial stance, and this was hand on heart, was that I thought it was going to result in a Paul McGinn red card and a free kick, I think, for us. Um, just from where I was in the stand, I don't know whether that's just the occasion getting the better of me as well. Um, You're right in line with it as well. Like, I am. It was like coming at you. So I was adamant. I, I was. It was one of them that I was genuinely screaming for. And then I see the replays back, and now I'm I'm not sure because I I do see the little clip from Liam Boyce, but I still don't think it's enough for the resulting foul to then commence. What what was your take on it? I think it's hard. At the time, I reacted with, "Oh, I don't know what's happened," <laughs> like because I'm obviously I'm quite far away and almost behind it, so like I I could tell that he'd went down, obviously, but I was like. As he just went looking for it, but it looked like McGinn did take him Cliff out. Him. And yeah. when when you see the replay, it's that classic thing that defenders do where they go across somebody and then start going down as they make contact with them. Because that it then looks up. like yeah, yeah. yeah, it then looks like But listen, I think I don't think anybody could have complained if it was a foul, but likewise I can understand why it wasn't given. I kind of don't understand why it was given as a Hebb's free kick though like I could understand if the ball because the ball just goes out of play because Boyce is like taking a touch does Macy not come and gather it or potentially yeah potentially whatever it is like you just kind of it's either a free kick to us or you just let the game play (laughs) I don't think Boyce fouls McGinn no I I I don't know I, I think there's contact both ways but it's like the smallest yeah. of contact. Do you, do you get where I'm coming from? It's, yeah. I think the ref actually... That's one of the few decisions that he might have got right. But I really don't know. Um, but it's, it was the wor- it's the worst performance I've ever seen in Edinburgh Derby. And I can't think of another game I've been at where there's been a worse refereeing performance. Just like like when Newell... When Cochrane got booked earlier on in the second half. And about oh. 30 seconds later, Newell dives and he gives the foul. And it's like... If you give that foul, you have to give Cochrane a second booking. Like, because by that logic, like, the foul that Newell has made you think he has won is worthy of a, another booking, but you've not. You've just went, no, it's just a foul, but I'm not going to book him because I'm too scared to make that decision. I had discussed this with my dad, and I think he said exactly the same as you, but my point was, I don't think the first foul was enough to warrant a booking anyway, so he's probably mm-hmm. just issued a yellow for the pair of them like as as the collective does that I mean yeah I, you, I, you, I agree you, with you, that you, you can't really do that and surely then yeah, the second foul is yeah. more of a foul than the first yes. but uh, honestly it was baffling like I, I'm I'm again with you you put it perfectly in that the entire stadium on Derby Day in such a toxic environment given how well both teams have started you know, there's a lot at stake, and yet both sets of fans were genuinely perplexed at how poor the officials were. Like, it's not even, it's not even a joke at this point. It's just embarrassing. Yeah, unbelievable. But I mean, the first half obviously ends with, in my opinion, the worst decision of the law. Um, and obviously, this is why Benny Benigni's heart's career is now over as Martin Boyle yes. bursts past him. Um, it's a great save from Craig Gordon, who denied Boyle, I think, about 10 minutes earlier with another kind of long-range effort. Um, 
on the counter. How did Hibbs not receive a corner, first of all? And how good a save is it from Craig Gordon, second of all? So, this is where I have to come clean. And where I think if everybody who was in section R, S and T was being honest, they all have to come clean. We all thought it was just a miss. (laughs) I didn't realise that Gordon had saved it. So, it... The run hat, and all you're thinking is, we've just had a corner and they're going to fucking yeah, score. Yeah, that was, that was my counter. first thought, because there was numerous times where we could have tried to counter and yeah. didn't. And I thought, it's going to be one of them, and it's just going to nestle. It's going to be that rat Martin Boyle, who I want to speak about later on as well, because that man, oh, but carry on. Well, so I didn't think it was a save. I think he just missed, right? I, now, I don't know if I went, Gordon's nowhere near that. I think I just went, oh, that was really close. Like, it's just my past post. Now, due to um, COVID situations and coming into contact, my partner was not able to come to the game with me. So uh, she was watching at home. So I checked my phone at half time and I just see a text going, how was that not a Hibs corner? And I'm like, oh, was that a save? And she was like, it was the most clear-cut save you've ever seen. And I had to turn to, like, the back of Section R and be like, by the way, Gordon saved that. And everybody was like, what? So, it isn't... When you watch it back, you go, how is that... It's the most obvious... Like, it's all four of his fingers pushes it round the post. It's bizarre that it looks more clear-cut on the telly than in person. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think that makes it worse. Yeah. I'm obviously sectional. I'm looking at it like down the barrel of it, and I'd kind of like tracked the ball, so I think I just saw it so fast that it went past. But the linesman on the other side is in bang in line with it, flat on, not looking down on it. Yeah, I take back what I said earlier. The linesmen are just as culpable. As, yes, uh, as exactly. I mean, I'm not complaining about it oh, at all. That was hilarious, but it's. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's. If the shoe's on the other foot, I'm incensed. I'm livid. Yeah. Just yeah. And oh, oh, honestly, I mean, really, it, we want the Scottish game to you know continue growing. We want it to be, yeah, just a, a, a to keep increasing in standard, you know, on the park as well as off it. And then you just get games so often ruined by such daft decisions. It's it's, insane. it's, it's astonishing. Um, but, I mean, that puts an end to the first half. What were you then thinking at halftime? Did you think that we'd, you know, shaded that first 45, given how slowly we'd started? Did you think that Hibs could have been ahead? What, what were your thoughts? I thought overall we were the better side. I fully that opening 15 minutes was awful but then the remaining half an hour I felt we really came into it Hibbs obviously did have probably the clearest cut chance with that boil effort right at the end but I kind of feel like this for the 90 we, we restricted them to chances that they only seemed to get chances when we made a mistake and that's kind of also how we got chances as well it was more a tale of like both sides messing up and it allowed other the opposition to get in um, I personally at halftime would have taken GMS off because I felt Woodburn was the one who was looking like he was actually pushing forward and doing well whereas GMS wasn't really I would have brought Gino on then but generally I was like 
Right, as long as we don't come back out and play the opening 15 of this half like we play the opening 15 of the, the half we just had, I didn't think we were going to lose. I didn't know if we were going to win, but I was like, if we play like that that half again, I think we'll be all right. I, I, I get that. I think we had shaded, you know, the first 45. I think... I don't think we had any real clear-cut chances, to be honest. Our efforts were from range... There's were to an extent as well with Boyle. He seemed like it was only gonna be him. Um I don't know. It it was it was odd. I still felt as though we probably should have been ahead, perhaps from a corner or a set piece or something, but on the whole on the whole I was gonna get the impression that we would kick on and try and find that winner and that it would arrive. That's my my honest take on it. I thought it's only a matter of time here, surely we're going to find that breakthrough but I think the first quarter of an hour of the second half again was pretty poor I think Kyle McGuinness had a chance where John Souter passes across the box looking for oh, Craig that was insane. That was and insane. I thought I, I just couldn't it was, I, I thought this is going to be the most hearts thing ever we're our own worst enemy we've shot ourselves right in the foot and yet we sort of got away with one at that stage Interestingly, I disagree. I think for the first 35 to 40 minutes, we actually looked quite good. I felt that Woodburn... GMS really came on to a game. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I would have taken GMS off. But then in the second half, he actually looked better. Um, he was creating chances. He caused uh, Macy to make a couple of saves. And then he got took off. And it was like, oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> like, why... If you're going to take him off, take him off when he's no doing well. He had a couple within the space of a few minutes, actually. The, the first the first one was the game for me. Right, we need to speak about this because Which, we've right, off okay, podcast spoken about this briefly. <laughs> now, I agree that it was definitely our best chance. Woodburn does amazing to just find like this break of the ball and just play it straight through. Considering the, the pressure that Ben Woodburn's put under, mm -hmm. he sort of puts everything on pause, doesn't he? And he just finds enough room to slip in GMS with a wonderful yes. ball, I'll say, given the attention that he is under. Um, 100%. But, but I think GMS does everything right. He, he first, he doesn't need muck about with taking a touch and try to turn back in and play it for I was going to ask you about that you don't think he should take an extra touch nah. no no definitely not I think the his logic goes. is yeah his logic is there's about 8 Hibs players here I need to hit this first time quickly and he hits it yeah he hits it low he tries to put it into the corner in that respect he does it everything right and then it's just a brilliant save from a keeper who had a brilliant game I I was thinking about this I think the boy Marciano that Hibs had in goal was decent. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of somebody that I've been impressed with as a Hibs goalkeeper, he's the first in a long, long time. Like, yeah. I thought Matt Macy was really good. And when we were young, you know, around that time with Zibby Malkowski, like all these other clowns that we'd be relying on. Macalambi. Macalambi. Like the list is endless. Um, He's the first one in a long time where I've actually found myself frustrated at the Hibs goalkeeper because he's mustered up a decent performance. It's literally a feeling I've never had before in my life. <laughs> yeah. Always. You could always rely on the fact that it's like, 
Ah, uh, we're not doing that good, but they've got Oxley in goals. So if we just kind of shoot at him, he'll he'll fumble something. You can insert and the like, name of some random jobber. And given yeah. we've never had the best options up front as we were growing up, we still always found a way to bag a, a goal or two against Hibs and ultimately win these games. But this isn't nice that Hibs actually have a competent goalkeeper between the sticks. We both... And he's it's genuinely us. like the first time ever we've both got good goalies. <laughs> it's like, what do we do now? This is is every diving going to be nil-nil until one of them leaves. <laughs> it's just going to be like, no, that's it. Well, this is the thing, because I, I was speaking with one of my flatmates in here is an Inter Milan fan, and he's Italian. And he said, and the Italians view it like this, that a nil-nil is a perfect match. In essence, because the keepers have made decent saves. And whilst I was like, I get the logic, but then there was still a part of me that thinks, how did we not like bury one against them? And they'll, they'll probably think he's exactly the same. It's, <laughs> it, it's just... It's one of those one of those rarities, like you say, where both actually look as though they have a decent and competent goalkeeper. Um, I think it was a game that definitely should have finished as a draw, but it should have been like two all instead of nil yeah, nil. Yeah. But the keepers were so good, it just stayed at nil nil. But I felt as though if one was going to be beaten, it was going to be Matt Macy, just because I yeah. think after the GMS efforts, we seemed to crank up the heat. And I don't know whether that's because we've got, you know, substitutes like you mentioned off the bench that can come on and make an impact now. One of which, let's just take ourselves away from the game for a split second here. I think everybody's got me to thank for uh, Barry Mackay's arrival. You know, I tweeted out in June that I'd seen that he'd been released by Swansea um, and that I said that I would take. Um, I had heard through word of mouth through a source or two that uh, he was going to arrive on the Tuesday I think it was um, so I thought I'd try my luck chance my arm and ask if it's because it's been a slow news day the hearts feel as though they were going to announce Barry Mackay and I've never been so happy to receive a Heart Midlothian notification in all my life when it had said that Heart Midlothian had quote tweeted me what a time to be alive what a right. player. Right, hold on. Because you've previously got a player to Time Castle and he's not had the best run of it so far. In your now, opinion. Now, in a lot of people's <laughs> opinion, okay. I, I'll, I'll even give you it's a 50-50 split. That's being generous, but I'll give you 50-50 because I literally have about... 10 to 12 Hearts fan mates and half of us don't like him and the other half do like him. So, right, so wait, hold on. Is this just for Andy Halliday? Because I also said yeah. that I'd take Gary Mackay Stephen as well. True, but that's not the same thing. You no, were like no, Team Andy Halliday, yeah, yeah. Team Barry Mackay. Like, I, I, got... I did hashtag announce Halliday. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but um, the Barry Mackay stuff massive fan of me setting up that open goal for the club admin to just head one home stop trying to take so much credit for it I think it's all down I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure every tweet the club has sent in the last four days before he signed just had folk going announce Mackay announce Mackay announce Mackay yeah exactly so I'm the one that's prompted it they've listened to us I should say they've listened to us I'll give you a little bit of credit he shouldn't have come on though. 
Do you not think so? You're oh, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that the change should have been Nandole because he'll give us something different in the final third. Yeah. This is the thing, right? I think the subs were a bit weird. One of them you can't say anything about because it's an enforced change. It's like for like, and that that's the frustrating thing because I think everybody's of the same mindset that had Michael Smith not gone off injured and Taylor Moore come on, then Big Nando was surely next in the firing line to give us that little bit extra up there. Exactly. But what I will say is, is like, realise that. So by the si- that was on the 65th minute Smith came off. We'd obviously already replaced JMS with Gino, which again was a good sub. Like, on paper you go, that's exactly the sub. <laughs> Can I just say, when I'd said to my pals that we'd used all three of our changes, everybody seemed to forget that Taylor Moore had come on and everybody was just absolutely raging that we'd actually used one of them up. But, <laughs> must. what happened... This was... the. Th- this was I, I wasn't frustrated at the game in terms of our performance. I was frustrated at the result. But you've, you, you're a lot more frustrated about the game than me. What frustrated me the most was the Barry Mackay sub. And it's nothing to do with Barry Mackay, because I actually think Barry Mackay did pretty well when he came on. Like, he did. He, he just looked all right. He looked quite like, good. You can't expect much from him in 20 minutes, but he came on, he ran. He, he actually did, noticeably, he did really well tracking back as well. And that's, so, I'm glad you mentioned that, because he'd said himself, hadn't he, pre-match, that it's all been training on his own. Obviously being unattached and whatnot. And I think a lot of folk seem to overlook that when a free agent arrives. You know, everybody expects footballers to be in tip-top condition no matter if they're at a club or not and it's clear to me that he has been doing a little bit of work to try and keep himself I wouldn't say match sharp but he certainly proved as though he's got you know something about him he's got stuff in the locker so to speak 100% so please no one take what I'm about to say as derisions of Barry Mackay because Barry Mackay I'm I'm like you did your job like I'm, I'm excited to see what you're going to do next however for me, it's like, right, 65th minute, you take off Taylor Moore, you bring on Taylor Moore, sorry, for Michael Smith. What, in my opinion, you then should do is hold off for 10 minutes. Because you've used two subs really quickly. Again, I know one's forced. But as a result, you go, right, let's just see what happens for the next 10 minutes. See if we need to have a change in personnel or a change in system. However, you're spot on. It was a lot of changes all at once. And everybody's exactly. then scratching their heads going, well, what do we do now? Rather than and then, taking it minute by minute or whatever. Additionally, so that Barry McKay then comes on four and a half minutes later. By the 70th minute, we've used all our subs. And two minutes later, Herring goes down in the box holding his ankle. And it's like, it would have been the most hearts thing ever for Herring to have to come off. And we play the last 20 minutes with 10 men because it's like, that is totally our own doing yeah. why didn't he just wait to me- and again listen Barry McKay did well but it was just more of the exact same thing whereas Nandwilly offers something totally different imagine Portis and Hanlon who have been for 70 minutes or even if you want to still bring them on that early have been doing well keeping it like they've kept a clean sheet they've kept boys reasonably quiet imagine the 70 minutes you look to the bench and suddenly a 6 foot 5 striker is coming on and you're like we've got to mark him now Exactly, and somebody that's fresh, somebody that'll contest stuff in the air as a tired defender, that's your worst nightmare. And somebody that could bring Liam Boyce more involved in the game. 
and that, someone that Gino could hit from co- crosses, yeah. which Gino was crying out for as well. And set, set pieces, it's another aerial threat as well. You know, yeah. we touched on Alex Cochran's delivery and whatever. Um, I'm not saying that one of them would have fallen to Nandwili, but he found out, you know, Kingsley and Halkett, I think, as well, a couple. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, 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 the changes the changes were a bit bizarre. Um, and... Look, the the Moore one for Smith, that is frustrating, but obviously I think yeah. we were happy to see Michael Smith start given he'd had that injury concern yeah. for Northern Ireland in the week anyway. Um, but the two substitutes actually combined as Barry Mackay's cross found Josh Janelli at the back post. This is a chance I wanted to ask you about because you can hear Liam Boyce screaming, Gino, could Gino head it back over for Liam Boyce in that instance? A type of... I don't want to say a square, but it essentially would be because Boyce would then be, you know, what, a, a good six yards out and he could head into an empty net. There's every chance. What, what did you think? I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you the man himself's opinion. As Gino today in the evening news said, I should have played it across to Boyce. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> However... There is. I'm glad you mentioned this because there is another very crucial aspect that Gino mentioned. In I that didn't see that. I really wish you had not mentioned that to me. That's actually depressed me. Why would so, you say? Why would you come out and say that? What he means, his point was, he was like, I probably should have played it, boys, but in that moment, I'm looking down the barrel and think that I can and, get this. And I get it because even even as the full time whistle's being blown, Gino's selfish, and it's a terrible effort. Yeah, but it, he, really, he, it, really it did good. seem like he just wanted to come on and be the hero, which, you know, I can't, I can't knock anybody for that. I, I appreciate that. He wanted to come on and be the hero whilst carrying an injury, so he confirmed today that he's got a wee bit of a problem with his hamstring. I think it was his hamstring. It was either his hamstring or his calf. So some people sustained from Sunday. No. Went in with So it. why not bring Nandwili on instead then if Gene's struggling? I know. Of why? Oh. Or, or, sorry, no, don't do that. Bring on Mackay for GMS and then Nandwili later for Woodburn. Like, just don't bring Gino on at all. Just leave him completely on the bench. And now, in fairness what though... What are we doing, man? This was... A, Gino was... It's not like an injury like Smith's where it was like, oh, he got hit and he can't guarantee a game it's that just apparently he had a niggle and it was like right okay you're not fit to start but you were probably going to be used off the bench as an impact anyway however I wanted to mention it because I saw a lot of uh, criticism of Gino that I agree with that he kind of he kept beating a man then going back on it and try to beat him again I now think the injury explains it that he was a bit hesitant to perhaps beat a man then burst in case something went with it. I mean again it it does raise the point if he is like that position and I don't know that he's like that that's it's just mere speculation but if he is of that mindset it's like well then why have him on because his whole game is running at players and running at his space I felt he did alright when he came on but it was frustrating like the two big chances it's like because Gino's so good at not being selfish like you saw that against Dundee United where he just squared it in Andwally it's like I think there For is the most that part, he is such a team player, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think, you think this is right. in terms of the occasion, perhaps getting the better of him, and he wants, yeah. you know, 
he hasn't scored against Hibs, has he? When in that uh, the no. Halloween meeting, so this is it. this is his first real. Uh, of course, so so he did, and um, so yeah. this is his first real derby. Yeah. Um, and obviously has that you know that dream that we all have of netting the winner against the manky mob. But it, it he's got be. loads of games exactly. to do it. It's fine. I, if he saves it for Easter Road, I will certainly not be complaining. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you because I, I I felt as though the Gino header was our last real decent opportunity. I think from there on in, I don't want to say it was all Hibs, but you felt as though with the way that the game had gone, if there's going to be a team to nick it and punish one for not taking their chances, I felt as though it was going to be Hibs and we'd be left absolutely raging. Um, Alex Gogic had come on for James Scott which I see a lot of criticism for Jack Ross saying that it's such a Craig Levine change and it's a defensive midfielder for, you know, not an out-and-out striker because I don't think James Scott is, but an an attacker. Um, Yeah, Alex Gogic flashed one just wide without a left-footed volley, which I've got to be honest, from where I was sat in in, I heard the net ripple. I was thinking there is no chance that big huddy has just grabbed the winner. Um... And then there was a great save from Craig Gordon to deny Kyle McGinnis again from a cutback from Nisbet. Um, and then the Nisbet won over the shoulder. Just, oh my God. There's numerous chances where they're flashing wide or, my God, or Craig Gordon saving. And my heart was just in my mouth. Is, is this just me thinking of the worst case scenario that Hearts haven't scored and Hibs were just going to nick it? Or did you get the same impression as well? I... I disagree, but in the moment I did, I, obviously because in the moment whenever they shoot yeah. their yards out, I'm like, oh god, they're going to see. Don't get me wrong. I mean, when I see them back, they look routine in the end. But I think it's because yeah. you're there that yeah. you're there. You know, I mean, I was absolutely. I, I always get nervous on Derby Day. I hate it. Honestly, it's only after it's over and we haven't lost can I then sigh and just go, well, thank God that's finished. Till next yeah. time. Yeah, um, we've got a few months <laughs> off until we need to go through this again. Because I'm not going to lie, I hit the boozer as early as I could. Nine o'clock for the Shandon opening. I was like, I'm not wasting any time. I also want to give a quick shout out, if I may. There's um, there's a boy that I'm becoming pally with down here who's another Jambo, Rab, who gave me a lift, a lift back down the road on Monday. So shout out, Rab. And his dad, Robert Hunter is a listener to the podcast so that blew my mind first of all love that yes. from you Rob Hunter Senior um, and thank you very much for the, the pint in the Shandon pre-match it's very much appreciated and I'll look after your boy while he's down here um, but how are you getting all this? Like, well, I mean I don't I don't drink so that's not my point how are you getting free lifts and all that? this is shocking the perks I'm not getting any perks of being the host of this podcast I tell you, you what, are the Hunter family have taken me in as one of their own, um, so I, I greatly appreciate it. I did pay Rab back with a crate of Peroni, and but that was only because there was no oh, right, okay. there, there was no Christoph Beramaretti's left uh, on the fridge on the shelf. So I but, hate uh, your fucking puns. Your puns <laughs> are so shit. On the day that I've done a good pun about oh, David oh, Dickinson, that's the that, level you need to be not, getting. I'm to. not gonna lie that. Just, I don't know whether it's just because I appreciate such terrible patter. I was creased at that. Um, but you, you've mentioned it now. Let's move on to Ross County at the weekend. No, wait. I want to say a quick thing. All right, go on. I want to say a quick thing. I 
I think the derby proved something to the rest of Scottish football and to both Edinburgh clubs. I think since around, what, 2014? You're going to say that they're both in a decent spot right now or something? That's Since probably 2014, the last kind of seven years, one of us has usually been all right. Obviously, the immediate 2014-2015 run wasn't when we were both in the championship. But then we walked the championship and then immediately came up and started doing well. Then when Hibs came up, we dropped off a bit and they started doing really well. Then there was like a And they won the Scottish Cup in that time whilst they were down there. Exactly, 100%. And then we were terrible and they've done really well in recent years. That derby and the start to the season so far from both sides, I think has shown that finally, after ages... The Edinburgh clubs are kind of back. Comp- I think now the Edinburgh clubs will finish third and fourth. Do I don't you? know who it'll be. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think Rangers will win the week, but they still look shaky. And I genuinely do think it'll be either Rangers set to win the week, and then either Hearts or Hibs to be third, and then whoever wow. isn't third will be fourth. So you think that the Stephen Glass revolution at Aberdeen will take a bit more time? Yeah, I, just, I said this at the start of the season that I just thought they don't look anything special. And then they've shown this season that they don't look anything special. What did I? I think I had Aberdeen to finish fifth at the start of the season. I think as well, he did. I, I think but he I did, certainly yeah. did not see us toward that top end. But that was obviously before we'd signed the greatest player that the world's ever seen. Well, that's that is the stuff. thing. We have some people were saying after the game. I think Corbett was saying it, and a, a few other kind of like names within the Hearts Twitter space were saying we should be moving back to the four-two-three-one because we've now got four or five really good wide players but we can only really play two of them at once and the wing backs are they really working in the way that you want wing backs to work however I get those arguments but I personally disagree because I said on Twitter I was like listen we're currently five games in a point behind the league leaders unbeaten and joint second I, I think it's a bit silly to suggest a wholesale formation change especially if Craig Fowler replied to my tweet backing this up by going also whenever we've changed the 4-2-3-1 we've looked much worse like we look much better in the 3-4-3 I, I, I agree with that but my concern and I can't believe I'm about to usher these words it's not how poor we've been at home but that's now four drop points from our last two home games and whilst they're against European contenders I think we've got a right to be disappointed that we've not picked up the win in both. I'm actually more surprised that we've picked up the win in the Celtic game than in either the Aberdeen or Sunday. Do you get where I'm coming from? I, I don't want us to finally rediscover some away form but to be at the expense of us dropping points at Tynecastle. I think that's a bit harsh to say, considering the opposition we've faced. No, see of if... course, of course. And I know that we've got some favourable fixtures at home, you know, the next couple. I think it's Livingston. Then Motherwell, I say, which I say could favourable. Be quite I was going to say Motherwell are flying at the minute. But... Yeah. I get that point, right? I do get that point that, weirdly, the two games we've dropped points have been at home, and you could go. We look like we could have won these. Do, do, do you know what I mean? It's so incredibly frustrating. Yes, definitely. But all I'll say is, 
what a change to be frustrated at that good like yeah. we're at such a level now where that's the frustration no, you're not right. the frustration that we're getting beat off Hamilton at home going oh now we've got to go away to park heads and then Pataudry and stuff like that so I well, agree we've conceded three at home to Air United and oh exactly. my god went, d- went down to Somerset as well on Saturday of course Dunn are in deep doo-doo and they look at look at them last season in comparison to us they beat us and looked as though they were actually yes. going to challenge us so you're right we have that being said the powers have fallen off but we have grown in, in such a short space of time I'm not I'm not you know wanting to dig anybody out for that I'm appreciative of that but there's still a little part of me that thinks what well, could we have done like a little bit more in the home games I, I'm not taken away from that I think that is valid I think you can look at both the home games we've had and go that's probably two points dropped both times but all I would say is is that is such a positive to be able to say that no. again It's and it's also not like we're saying oh we've drawn both games and they're against St Johnston and St Mirren Oh shit! We've now got Hibs and Aberdeen and Celtic to come. It's like no, we're we're being disappointed that we haven't beaten all three of Hibs, Aberdeen, and Celtic and Aberdeen. Justifiably disappointed, and now we've got the weaker side. I think after the run of fixtures, once we've played everybody once, whether it's that'll home be a or fair away, gauge and see where that. Yeah. Then we can look at that and go right. How many home points have we dropped overall? Has it just been that we've only dropped them against teams that will be in and around us? Or is it actually becoming a problem that everybody coming here is going to be an issue? Just now, like, I think if you'd said to a Hearts fan, we're going to be unbeaten after five games and joint second, they would have been incarcerated. Because it's like, what are you talking about? There's no chance that is. That's exactly what I was going to say. We've mentioned the first five on here a lot. And... How you were worried? How exactly? Were worried. How the tables have turned that I would have taken seven points, and now I'm not raging, but I'm disappointed that we're on eleven. I hate this exactly. club, man. Honestly, they fry my brain. <laughs> they actually do. Um, but of course, the first five are out the way, and we've got some. Don't want to say favourable fixtures, but we've got fixtures against lesser sides. Um, we're going to get beat. Coming up. We're going to get beat. Well, this is exactly what I was going to say because Ross County, you mentioned that five of the twelve Premiership teams are without a win so far this season. Ross County are one of those. We're yet to lose a game along with Hibs, and I know for a fact that if there's a club in in world football that is the best at handing somebody that first victory, it is. Regrettably, Heart of Midlothian FC. What are you thinking in terms of Dingwall on Saturday? Because I've also, I mean, I've had a look at the table there. County's three goals that they've scored in the five games, two of which were against Rangers in a defeat, and the other was at Pitaudry in their draw with Aberdeen. So there's some attacking encouragement in recent weeks. However, Again, at home, I think they've been held by St Johnston and who was the other? Was the other at the weekend there? No. Yes. No, they got, beat, the they got beat at Celtic at the weekend. Who, who, was, who was County's other? No, they lost at home to Rangers. Sorry, I'm talking nonsense. Yes. But yes. attacking encouragement in recent weeks, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be scared, but I'm scared because I just... No. You can see it an absolute mile off. I think this is a hot. Are you ready for a hot take here? By all means. 
I think this is our most important game of the season. Really? Because Why is that? I think I think this proves who we are this season. This is the game that we should be we are now the team who are joint second, unbeaten, if Aberdeen, Celtic, Rangers, Hibs, St Johnston last season are in this position, you go that's a win for them. Ross County don't have a chance here. I know it's ending well, but those clubs are doing very well. We historically, we could be top of the week unbeaten, playing bottom of the week, and you'd go, oh God, we, we might get a draw, but if we want to be top four this season and want to prove that we've, we're a changed side, we this is the game types of games. we need yeah. to go and win. I don't really give a shit how we do it. If it's a nightmare, 1-0, 2-1 I don't care for me it is all about getting the win if we get a win on Saturday that tells me we've turned a corner here in the last couple of years we're now no longer the side that will get a big victory like we did in the relegation season where we beat and go on and ship goals are plenty against the lesser sides where it's like yeah. yes we've turned up against the big guys and then been just bottled it against the wee guys if we can have the start to the season we've had and then go away to weird teams like St Mirren, Dundee United and Ross County and get wins, which so far we've been able to do, that's when I can go, we are moving in a very positive direction. What are you thinking in terms of team selection? A wee prediction? Would you would you go with that same first 11? Because we mentioned a couple of the subs. They looked lively. Um, I don't know the extent of Michael Smith's injury. I'm assuming yeah. that's just precautionary, but... Again, that's merely me speculating. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are you thinking in terms of a first 11 unchanged? I'm going to go unchanged, but with a position change in it. I'm going Kingsley to go. Cochrane. Yes, what I yeah. thought or hoped that we'd play in the derby. I just felt. Listen, I thought Cochrane in the opening five minutes was terrible, and then the remaining 85 was really good. I thought his game management was fantastic when he got booked and then I never felt in danger that he was going to get sent off at any no. other point. No, neither like, did I and we've already touched on his set-piece delivery as well. That seemed yeah. as though it was going to be a threat. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I just think like he's not as good as going Kingsley. forward. Yeah, yeah Kingsley, Kingsley looks like he's going to be able to push more. Cochrane, that oh, was the player. one downside to him. Like, especially when we moved to the... We changed to the four at the back and Cochrane suddenly was like left mid and looked a wee bit lost so I'd rather play Kingsley left wing back Cochrane left centre half but apart from that keep the team I hope Suter's better this week because that was probably his worst game since he came back he had a couple dodgy moments didn't he with, with passes yeah. across the box look I'm going to ask for your prediction but if if you were offered a nil-nil draw up there would you celebrate it like Ryan Porteous did on Sunday well, I brought this to everybody's attention and suddenly got hundreds of Hibs fans in my mentions. Because, yeah, I am... I, I'll be honest. We stand at the back waiting to go out. And all, obviously, I'm in the new stand, so are you. So all the players come to us, they go into that. And they did, They all just looked de- dejected. They clapped us. Uh, Benny went and did his Sky Sports interview down the front. But then when he came back, he, st- oh, he was boy. just doing that kind of like... Yeah, well done. But they looked Sorry. raging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so, um, whereas I looked at Hibs and thought they were doing the general like, "Thank you for coming," like, "Well done, fans." That's what I thought, but then I heard the murmurs of Ryan Portis's antics at the Tynecastle Arms, 
supposedly there was a video kicking about. I'm yet to see it. So if anybody fancies, you know, sending that my way, it'd be uh, it'd be greatly appreciated. But what a wee dick, honestly. Cannot it was all of them like Ryan Porteous, proper man. like, and also I'm still saying this. He's shit. I've never seen him be good. He wasn't good um, at the weekend. I felt Boyce was handled quite well by um, Hanlon. I felt Porteous was just kind of there. He made Actually, a couple of even that sentence just speaks volumes about Sunday. Paul I Hanlon made to look like a competent centre-back. I think Boyce was both great and awful at times. Like There was times where it was like, that's Liam Boyce, he just needs help. The amount of times he would hold it up and it's like, Where's everybody? And I, I, then was, I was going to say exactly that. So isolated at points, man. Yeah. That's that's the frustration that I've got, and that's where I can appreciate the calls for a formation change because I feel if we are to score goals and win games, we have to get the best out of Liam Boyce. And I know that he's bagged a couple in the league and whatnot, um, some from the spot. His last goal, obviously, a rebound from the spot. Um, but yeah, I just, I just would like to see Boise more involved and I don't think it's through his fault or anybody's particular fault I just feel at times he is left so isolated up there but I definitely agree but I, again I would just say we are still winning games with with the weekend, but yes yes yeah, but generally I, I think do you feel as though the luck will run out in a sense I don't want to call it luck but do you feel as though that will come say, to an end at I some think, stage I think we've just been better sides and the two ga- I think the Aberdeen game was more like a we just stopped being good the first half we were good and then the second half we just were really we were sort of it. riding a wave up to that point weren't we and it yeah. seems as though it's coming so to speak but, but all other games we've been the better side especially like Dundee away we just blew them away like we were just by far and away the better side playing the exact same formation yet at uh, the weekend it was just it was two evenly matched sides. See if it's against Ross County, Livingston, and then Motherwell to an extent. See then if the concerns still arise. Like, yes, yeah. that's totally fair. But just now, I wouldn't change anything because it's like, everything's working. No, and look, we're in a good place. You've said you'd keep it unchanged, bar obviously that positional switch. I'm going to ask for a score prediction now before we move on. Oh, God. Um, don't think you were getting away with it. I could see you just trying to constantly change the subject. I've been trying to avoid this, and you, I wasn't it, try- it pisses me off when you do it to me. So lo and behold, I wasn't trying to avoid it. I was trying to give myself yeah. time to think of one. Oh, um, out loud. That's that's worrying. Yeah, I'm going with two one us. Oh, like it. Scorers. I'm going to go with Liam Boyce from the penalty spot against <laughs> against his former club. Love yes, it. exactly. And I want him to run, knee sliding, kiss the badge. I want everything. Ears um, cut to the whole shebang. Yes, exactly. And then I think Ben Woodburn will get his oh, first like goal it. for the club. Like and it. Unfortunately, I don't know a single Ross County player, so cannot tell you who we're going to concede through. Um. Is Ollie Shaw still Blair. there? <laughs> no, he, he's moved to Kelly. I'll say Blair Spittle or Reagan Charles Cook. That's it's who, that's it's Blair Spittle at Ross County now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There you go. I know. What, what, what a fall you? from grace. I, um, I too have predicted a, a one goal margin, but I'm going to say that we'll keep a clean sheet and that it will finish Ross County nil, 
Heart and Loathing 1. I don't anticipate a classic. I anticipate a grim 90 minutes, but if we come out on top, I will not give a single toss. So there we are. Um, before we go, I wanted to end on the news that had broke today and Hearts released a statement alongside Aberdeen, both Dundee clubs and our noisy neighbours, Hibernian. Um, I'm just going to read the statement because it yeah. tells you all you need to know rather than me trying to explain it and probably getting it wrong. So... <laughs> <laughs> SPFL member clubs Aberdeen, Dundee, Dundee United, Heart of Midlothian and Hibernian with the endorsement of the SPFL have commissioned independent advisors to assist in a strategic and holistic view, uh, review of the SPFL with primary focus on identifying ways of unlocking significant additional revenues for the benefit of all in professional Scottish club football. As, as a group of clubs who will spend around £600 million over the next 10 years in both operations and infrastructure, we believe a clear vision and strategy with measurable goals is needed if Scottish football is to continue to grow and prosper on and off the pitch and ultimately compete with similar-sized countries and leagues across Europe. The clubs who have commissioned this work with... De- Deloitte, Deloitte I don't know Deloitte. how to say it I don't know how to say it welcome the engagement of all the stakeholders in the game and intend to make the key outcomes and recommendations public now they've given their plan with regards to commercial growth the SPFL brand itself structure governance organisation resources competition strategic projects couple key points and then it's signed by Dave Cormack Tim Keyes Mark Ogren Anne Budge and Ron Gordon chairmen of all the clubs mentioned um, I've got to be honest. To me, this just seems like a way of telling Neil Doncaster that he's shite at his job without directly going to Neil Doncaster and saying that you're shite at your job. What's your thoughts with regards to the statement, the plan, what's going to happen? Yeah, a few things. One, yes, that is exactly what this is. That is like that could have just been the statement. And you would have been as right as what I said. Secondly... <laughs> they'd have got all the fans on board like that. <laughs> exactly. Secondly, Dundee should be nowhere fucking near this. Well it's said. ridiculous they're involved. More on the actual thing. I think it's great that it's happening. And I think that the focus should be on restructuring, um, prize money, distribution, general funding distribution, um, improved mobility for smaller clubs to come up. I'd love to see pathways from senior clubs and lower league clubs in order for young players to gain sufficient loan experience as well, which ultimately benefit the national team. I'm a strong believer and advocate in this. but Absolutely. Um, The worry is, is that, and I've seen it already, it's very, very clear it's the big clubs doing this. Obviously without the two biggest, but... I was going to ask you about that. Why Why is that? Well, it's because they don't want anything to change. <laughs> like, they, just... they, don't, they don't get on with one another, so there's no chance that yeah. they're signing a statement and whatnot. But they, they don't want anything to change because it suits them. The, the, the structure is very much to benefit the old firm. But on the flip side of that, I've already seen it happen, and I'm not trying to dismiss this because I actually do think it's very fair. It is the big clubs leading this, and there could be an element of, well we're the important clubs so we'll kind of cater it to ourselves for example I've seen a bunch of like St Johnston fans uh, be hold like on, hold on a second you're not actually suggesting that clubs within the SPFL have their self-interest at heart and only their self-interest are you? 
It's it's I'm what a wacky notion that is, Mister McIver. I'm breaking new ground here and saying exactly that. It's a shock to the system for everybody, <laughs> I'm sure. But the worry is, is that the conclusion of this is stuff like, oh, do we really need every club to be in the league structure? I think we can get rid of like Stenhouse Muir and stuff like Who, that. They was don't it, offer was it Ron Gordon that said that? Something yeah. with regards to the the yes. lower end clubs. And he was like, "There's, too, there's many, too many. Like, yeah. There's too many, and there's too many leagues." And then he, he gave an example of American football, and they and the example he gave had forty two teams in it, and it was like, "Well done, Ron. It's a great example you just gave me." But it's probably like a twenty two team and a twenty team division or something, though. That is it. That is exactly what no, it is. is a surprise because look at the size of the MLS. Like it's enormous. Yeah. He actually used American football as an example. Jesus. Um, he, he, used, he used the so, NFL and then the Some boy is your rod. <laughs> I know. Um, the conclusion, I think, is that not much will change because if we have any form of restructuring, it requires clubs to vote in the majority and a lot of clubs like, for example, basically every club that's mentioned in that, barring the United clubs, actually. That's not true, but Aberdeen, Hibs and Hearts, are all for restructuring because we don't rely as much on old firm money as everybody else because we can fill our stadiums and our stadiums are so big that they're self-sufficient whereas you've seen with like St Mirren and Livingston and stuff like I that I even noticed that Motherwell's allocation has been cut for Ibrox my pal Gogsy had shared that oh. um, and he was actually a strong advocate in wanting Motherwell to eliminate Rangers away allocation but I, I can't see that I don't know about you definitely not because a lot of these that's why restructuring is so hard because you're guaranteed in the current model probably at least three games against the old firm and that's going to get you a load of money despite it being it's a very short term way of looking at it obviously listen we could spend a whole podcast speaking about the benefits and drawbacks of league restructuring but it's objectively good that clubs are taking the initiative themselves to go right we're just going to get an independent investigator to have a look at this see what the current model is see what a potential new varied model could be and what benefits it will have for the clubs i just hope they look at it as a benefit to everybody and i know it's my club so you could go well it doesn't matter your club's going to be benefited either way but i i don't want that i want scottish football as a whole to be benefited by it instead of just five clubs I, and look, I, I think there's reason to be encouraged within the statement. Obviously, they've they've cited their reasoning for the vast majority of this sort of stuff. It's just a case of whether it's actually going to be carried out. And let's just hope for Hearts' sake. I was going to say for other teams' sake, but let's just hope for Hearts' sake that it's carried out. Well, we will see what happens with that. But massive thank you for listening to this episode of the Pettipazer Podcast. The big thing that we have news we probably should have, I was going to mention this at the start and I totally forgot we've now got a new upload day as you've seen by this episode so we're now going to be recording on Tuesdays instead of Mondays and uploading on Wednesdays instead of Tuesdays so not a huge change just literally a day change but we hope you're accepting of it it's Adam's fault it's, it's entirely my fault it's, it's yeah. trying to work out this whole new routine with work uni all that shenanigans i, I do apologize um i can't believe but, hey, you have the goal to go and try and improve your life and do things you should be building your entire life around this podcast and any right. changes to it no you're shocking. right 
I, I accept full responsibility. But hey, at least you wouldn't have you wouldn't have got the members' club statement had we uploaded on the Tuesday and recorded on the Monday. So I was thinking, you know, in terms of the bigger picture here. See, we'll have more advantages of being able to get stuff on the Monday. Because that is the thing. Most times on a Monday, shit breaks. It's like... Monday and Tuesday seem to be the news days. Yeah, exactly. So we're trying to kill two birds with one stone here. Absolutely. So we hope you do understand. But again, massive thank you for listening. We have been Perth to Paisley. You can get us on all the socials at Perth to Paisley. It's on the screen below us, but if you're just listening, that's where it is. You can also get us on the email, Paisley at gmail.com if you want to chuck us stuff. We've had a lot of support recently, and we really, really do appreciate it. People have been lovely. Actually, I don't even know if you saw this, Adam, but folk were offering you supporters buses in the email because you're now an heir and stuff like that, oh. and it was like getting it sorted. So, Cheers, listen, trips. the support has been lovely and we really really do appreciate us please leave us a review if you have enjoyed it on your podcast platform of choice it really really helps likewise if you're watching this on youtube please leave a like subscribe to the channel share it about it massively boosts the algorithm and gets us up the rankings and it is really much appreciated adam where can they get you on social media they can get me on all the socials at adam t kendall and what about yourself mate I'm at dmckiver22. We'll be back next week on Wednesday to discuss all the fallout from the Ross County game and any potential other news. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Keep the faith. Mother Jai Tease!